We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Adam McGee. And I'm Andrew Snyder. <laughs> and you're listening to Make Time for This, probably part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. In spite of the question he put at the end of that, that was, in fact, Andrew Snyder. Uh, but I am not just joined by my usual co-hosts. I'm joined by two very special guests to talk through succession. It's been a few weeks since we've last checked in. Things have been escalating one could say we've got two episodes left we want to zoom right in and then also zoom right out and talk about how we feel about all things succession so first up for a special guest returning to the pod to talk about succession he's a guy we can do business with it's jordan tresky hello jordan hello and secondly i this might be a make time for this debut. I'm not I'm not sure. Certainly the first time we couldn't make schedules work last time for succession, but just in my ear, in my ear, he's like, When's when are we doing a succession episode? When are we doing a succession episode? He danced with an old man and drank things that aren't normally drinks. It's Ty Windish. Hello, Ty. I mean, I feel like Jordan got a little bit of a better reference. I... He did. He was here before. That's how okay, it works. I'll, I'll be Cousin Ty, I guess. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I've been bothering you guys to to do this pod, and obviously I missed the first one, which is, you know, uh, a, a foible on my part, but I've been locked into the season, and I'm ready. I was told Adam before we started recording, I felt a lot more conviction about, like, my thoughts on where everything was going at any point in the season until right now. So this is going to be an interesting time to dive in because I feel like they've constructed it in such a way that there's no obvious pathway right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, we'll see if it's going to veer from that pot over the final two episodes. I guess there's only one place we can start. We have two representatives of the fine state of Wisconsin of the city of Milwaukee on the episode. Anyone want to give us any updates on how things are unfolding after the 
the firebombing of a voting center? I think it was an electrical issue. Um, oh, I guess that should be Jordan that's, saying that's that. That's the side you're taking on. No, 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 no. That's what Jordan should be saying if he's a, a man you can do business with, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't like this. Is getting too too. Uh, uh, uh. How, well, how did that feel? It was kind <laughs> of what? funny. Uh, is, actually... it, is, is it funny or then after as no, it no, continues no, no. to shape yeah. up does it kind of get a little oh god I wish this wasn't how Milwaukee was factoring in succession I think yeah. I made the joke um, to our private chat that uh, corruption can't always happen in Florida <laughs> and Milwaukee's next up to bat you know what I mean so it's like <laughs> let's do that <laughs> this could have very excuse me very easily been North Carolina. One of those, you know, purple battleground states where chicanery is happening. Yeah. Where you least expect it. Arizona or most too. expect it actually. Yeah. It's you know, but just to hear to hear the the fine fictional people in the succession world in the great state of Wisconsin and the great city of Milwaukee have to go through that a few weeks after I just had a wonderful time in a wonderful city. <laughs> just hated to see that. Yeah, hate that the boots on the ground guys are having to deal with the aftermath. Yeah, and I mean, the NBA does, I believe, canonically exist for succession. So these are also Bucks fans dealing with the Bucks since 2021. So they've, they've gone through a lot. It, it was funny because every time you're watching anything besides like a, you know, a Milwaukee sports team, if anyone references Milwaukee or Wisconsin, you're like, oh, hey, you have that moment where you nudge. Like, oh, they said, and it, it, it was like, first it's like, oh, cool, we, we got brought up. And then like the context of why it was made clear and it kept happening, it's like, Okay, it's not fun and delightful anymore. Now, I, I, it has to be. I did like that. I'm sure we all read the Journal Sentinel piece that, you know, they actually talked to people in the Elections Commission in, in the city and state, and they got the names right. I believe it's the Milwaukee Election Committee or Commission and Wisconsin Elections, which that the copy editor in me loves that they got that all correct. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't necessarily super affected by it because... I mean, we just live in a world where it takes more than a fictional bad thing happening around me to because we have the real life. So it's like, you know, it made sense. So it's topical. Yeah, it's just interesting to see Milwaukee graduate like to there was no doubt that Portland was going to be the other side of that. So to uh, to see Milwaukee carve out its place there, that's uh, it's tough. We've come a long way from like the days of John Hughes films where. It would always be like John Candy showing up to make reference to Milwaukee. Laverne and Shirley, happy days. Happy days, of course. That seventy happy show. Happy days are not here again. <laughs> there's, there's always Giannis. Um, that's it. Would in succession. I went out at least for a moment. All right, we won't get too far into that. The most recent episode was titled "America Decides," and as it turned out, I guess America tried to have its say whether America made the decision it was more like the Roy's made the decision ATN made the decision and they called the election in favor of Jared Mankin hinging on a pretty wonky call of Wisconsin in his favor and with that, the show, I mean, it's not like this is the first time it's happened. It's not like we haven't had major conflict and ups and downs. And obviously the most notable in the entire series came just prior to our previous episode on Succession when, when Logan died. But 
this to me is the ultimate point of no return for these characters. I think both in terms of any shred of redeemability, if there was any left, I, I feel like this is maybe the episode where every single character all at once, with the exception of like Jess, I don't know. That's that's kind of how far you've got to you've got to go down. I thought um, I she was going to tackle Greg at one point. I really did. Well, yeah, we might, we might talk about that later. I I did like that as a choice. What, I thought that one was, of the best scenes in the episode. She had 30 seconds in the episode, and it was one of the best performances in the whole episode. She's amazing. I've been yeah. saying that for a couple of years. and That's one of the strengths of the show is just kind of top to bottom, no matter how much screen time, they seem to really, really get all of the casting decisions right. This was a pinch hitter episode. I mean, Frank had an all timer and he had like forty seconds, maybe less yeah. on screen. He probably had less yeah. than Jess. Two two cuts. Two cuts. Yeah. It was not might not even been. Don't think Frank even got a line. Like Carl no, got yeah. a couple of lines. Frank got the Frank Connor's got, running Connor's for running president. president? Line? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. So he did. He got one. Um but Beyond the fact that, you know, none of these characters may be redeemable, which isn't exactly a shock, but I do think still retains an impact when they decide to dial it up just like this. Um, the internal dynamics of the family are very, very broken. Again, they've been broken since the start, but beyond repair, I think in some elements here, Shiv's scheming with Madsen has finally been revealed. Greg getting to play a pivotal role in that after Shiv tried to, I guess, essentially be her father, be her brothers, and leverage Greg in a way that just was never going to work for her. And... Greg, Greg is only interested in being leveraged by one man. Yeah, and even that, I don't... Greg is maybe the slimiest character in the whole show at this point. Well, I think that's been a big focus of season four. It's like, hey, in case sure. you thought Greg was cute, Greg... Greg sucks too. <laughs> it it definitely feels a little like they're like, oh, everyone on the internet loves Greg. Let's fix that. Let's let's really make sure there's no out for anyone watching. Nicholas Braun is is doing his part out outside of the script as well. He he, he danced with an old man that didn't want to dance and drank <laughs> drinks that aren't normally drinks. <laughs> yeah. I guess let's start with the episode. So we can go from the conclusion. And maybe that is the best place to start. I'll I'll throw it to you, Ty. You were so eager to come on here and talk about it. Shiv is out on her own. She tried to appeal to Kendall's better judgment. And you know what? I think Kendall's better judgment was there to be appealed to. It might have worked if she didn't personally betray him. And that is that is the thing that breaks him. That is the thing that makes him act flippantly and just doom the entire country. Do you see any way back for Shiv with Kendall and Roman? And if that's not the case, I mean, Kendall told Shiv, you know, I've thought maybe I could do it, you know, on my own. He's already voiced to Shiv again that he's nervous about Roman's relationship with Jared Mencken. Just how quickly could we see this splinter off even further? Yeah, I think that that's really where this episode is going, right? And just like sowing more discord between really everyone, but especially the three siblings. I'll never understand why Shiv didn't just call 
the the Jimenez campaign. I still don't get it. I didn't really get it in the moment. I mean, I know she's with Matson, but that was clear. Like she, it feels like she could have played both sides a lot defter there. Which I guess, you know, uh, if you're if you're asking why one of the one of the siblings didn't play it better, it's because the show likes to remind you none of them are especially good at playing this game. And if any of them were, they would have won several times over by now. And I think their continued incompetence is a big like built-in subplot of the show that continues to befuddle, but it's also pretty funny. Um, I think I think Shiv is the most incompetent, like I, by mm, by a long yes. distance. I think they traded off. Yes. No, no, like I think for others, maybe self-destructive or like they, they will take themselves down in their own way. But in terms of pure incompetence, it's definitely Shiv. Now, I would say I think the reason why she doesn't make that call is because if she made the call, the answer she would have got would have been no. As oh, yeah. was expressed to Kendall at the party, so she was lying to begin with. But at least if she made the call, at least then you would, have some deniability. Would, yeah, there wouldn't be complete chaos and panic just the moment Ken goes, "I'm going to call them." I think Shiv's biggest undoing comes from the fact that she doesn't recognize how incompetent she is. If she had some yeah. self awareness and knew where to pull back uh, and where she was not strong in certain areas, I mean, she, laying back in the weeds. And having her little dalliance with Matson is really her only lifeline yet to ascend in her mind to the higher role and be on the same level or above get pushed above Roman and yeah. Kendall. But Matson doesn't even view her that way, and mm-hmm. she can't tell the she can't well, realize that, and that's tanked her whole game, really. Th- well, that and I, I don't think that tanked her game. I think the the Indian numbers, like Matson, not Matson being mm-hmm. fake, basically, like. She knows. I think everyone knows now. Kendall and Roman were accidentally correct, and Madsen is a faker. I mean, we know his numbers aren't real. Like, and then this whole thing with Ebba, it's like Jesus Christ. This guy is like, you know, I, I don't know if Kendall and Roman need to be so obsessed with the candidate stopping him. Like, I think Madsen might stop himself before the deal goes through. At this point, that's a whole different thing. But I think Shiv realized in this and really last episode that Madsen just doesn't have the juice, and it's not a good horse to back. And now she's got to really go into overdrive, trying to make sure the deal goes through and be more risky. I think that's kind of been a theme for a lot of characters this season, just like spiraling to a certain extent. Um, Obviously, Tom loses Logan, and then that was his thing, right? So he's like, he needs a benefactor now. He doesn't have enough on his own. Tries to go to Shiv. That's not working disastrously, although I have a take about that later. And then tries Madsen, and Madsen's just like, hell no. Now I think he may try to backdoor Madsen through the Greg connection, don't think it's going to work. Tom is kind of out in the wilderness right now, but Shiv is too. So that's kind of why I wonder if they're going to end up uniting at some point, especially now that they've gotten to process the whole kid thing, which could not be more of a mess, of course. Um, but although he acted more aggressively the rest of the episode than I expected him to, Tom is Tom is really going crazy. But I mean, in Tom, terms is, of, Tom is possibly going to jail again. He's, he's going yeah. to be yeah. looking at, you know, toilet wine or whatever that was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Waiting so, for those grapes to mature without him. Yeah, I, Tom. Tom is in a tough spot. Tom and Greg might try to flip each other at some point, but I think Tom does end up losing. But anyway, from the actual power side, clearly Roman won the episode, right? Like Kendall, after the great showing at the last one, the insane pitch actually works, and he gets all these points and everything else. He was so feckless in this episode. Kendall, I thought, was like, you know, he. I thought he surged forward and kind of made it clear he could be the guy. He was the public presence of Waystar. The prices went up. He was all high on himself. 
he kind of just sat around this whole episode until he realized Shiv was betraying him. Whereas Roman pushed this thing through. And obviously, you know, not saying woohoo, go Roman. It was horrible to watch him, you know, lean into the fascist element of Roman that we've seen before. But he now does have the president in his pocket and is literally in his cell phone. And, you know, he took the power of this episode and really everyone fell in line with him by the end of the day. So, you know, I don't think it was a good Kendall episode. Obviously not a good Shiv episode after it seemed like she was in a good place. Um, but I think Roman, and I'm sure he'll mess it up somehow, like Jerry will undo him some, something. But this episode, at least, episode eight, I thought he was the one who clearly gained the most ground in terms of being the successor. I think it's like an unsustainable hot streak in baseball for Roman is how I'm going to like his his uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His underlying metrics are troubling because I'll take a phrase that Adam used in our last baseball podcast. He's got a lot of spinning plates that he's trying to watch. And those spinning plates are scandals that can bring him down. Jerry, some of these unethical firings he's been doing. And so if he comes crashing down on those plates, I'll come crash on, down on him. If Kendall can steer away from the self-destructive habits that we know he has, could he be best positioned to survive whatever implosion Roman has and whatever implosion Matson has? Potentially. But this episode for Kendall just showed how sitting in the big chair just overpowers every single other thing in his life. We've got the whole storyline with uh, his ex-wife and his daughter and like we see for a moment a flicker in his eyes a few times that oh maybe he'll do the right thing eve uh it's but it's as long as it serves his wider goal of keeping atn uh and i think he could be positioned to survive but at the end of the day i think none of them survived to be honest with you is where this is trending and i think the writers have done such a good job this season in the aftermath of logan dying of showing just how ill-equipped all these people are and how uh like what's that weezer song you pull the thread on the sweater and the whole thing unravels. And I think that's what happened to each of them in different ways. Yeah. That's the thing for me. Rewatching the episode too, is that like, I feel like your first instinct on the first watch is like, you realize how repulsive these characters are, but that's always been the case. It's more of like rewatching and just kind of like thinking of it as the episode in the midst of this entire season is that Logan's death, or up until Logan dying, you saw all these things in these characters. I mean, Shiv is essentially the same character. Kendall is essentially the same character. You saw all these bits and pieces, and then it would be hovered over the umbrella of Logan's presence because he was so domineering, and it was he was ultimately the winner because you couldn't outgun him at any point no matter how hard that they tried on multiple occasions over three seasons. Um, and then now that he's gone, it's not even just like a vacuum. It just, it, it's like cockroaches see the light. You know what I mean? Like that's, you just see just like how these people are, their base instincts of like either trying to survive, trying to thrive, trying to overcome, overthrow, the current order or get to the highest position of power and only like honestly i think i i would say only like roman is kind of like motivated or or unveiled to be just how ruthless he actually is um because we have seen it before but it's always been in like small doses now that like 
his dad is not there. It's more of just like, oh, you just see how just <laughs> what a schlub he is. And that's probably a too nice of a word for him. But it, it, all these things were there. It just was fits and starts, or it would be happy under the uh, on a smaller scale rather than like what it is now of deciding an election and how their presence as a premier news organization, not the premier news organization, um, calling an election with some clear caveats and some things that <laughs> are too hard to overlook. Um, in Milwaukee's case, but like, yeah, it's just, I, that's my, my big takeaway is that like, yeah, Logan's death is just like, it's so, it's so big in that it shows how these people actually are. And it makes you feel like a piece of shit for actually quote unquote rooting for them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I think on that, like, Roman obviously comes out of the episode with his hands closest to power, you know? I'm having a really tough time seeing him as a winner of it in any way, or even seeing something like, as you put it, Jordan, that that he has a motivation that the others don't, because I, I think the show is... I don't think it's going to take scandals to take Roman down. I think Roman crumbles next week. The show has told us exactly how he's going to crumble already, in my opinion. And that is, he's doing the eulogy at the funeral. And the one thing that Roman has said over and over and over again, and I do feel like the way he's acting, which is bolder, but also even more erratic than normal for him, he is completely lost in grief. He is the one of the siblings who has not even given himself half a second to process it. I think he's just going to crumble and melt down. And honestly, uh, it feels like a lot of this episode is just, you know, powering through to distract himself. Because even one of the more telling lines of the episode was, nothing matters, dad's gone. Or dad's dead, I think that's probably dead, what yeah. it was. Which, what? <laughs> because th that's not how the siblings are viewing it either. Like, in Kendall's case, he's like, well, you know, things matter almost a whole lot more. We've got real opportunity now. Dad's dead. That's not to say he's not sad over that, too, in spite of their incredibly complex relationship. I have increasingly become pro-Kendall in a way I have not been over, honestly, the entire series. It just... He was never a character that clicked with me in any way. And this season, 
I have found myself more and more drawn to him. And I, I think even in this episode, he doesn't show, I guess, the killer instinct, which has always been the fatal flaw that Logan saw in him. But also, this was a situation where, you know, killer instinct is, uh, it's not really, it's quite short-sighted. And I think we're playing with an interesting dynamic here. Maybe we can dive into this and get people's thoughts. I don't know if we're going to see any kind of resolution to the election or if that really matters. Like the election's purpose in the show is really just to set up that confrontation between the siblings and set them off. Can we mention trailer stuff here? Sure. The community is a buzz over a scene from one of the trailers at some point where Roman gets like pushed or something in what looks like a protest or, or mob. So I do think there's going to be some, but I'm guessing. Oh, it's it's not going to be gone. But yeah, I, I mean, I oh, the actual resolution. Was, no, I don't think it matters. Like, yeah, this talking to months take a long in the court. Time. Yeah, so yeah. the the only way, and the show may have to do it, or they may decide to resolve it. I really hope not, because like, well, it doesn't often end only... well. It's a they day take... per episode, right? Yeah, but you don't know if the finale will be that. Yeah. There's some other notable HBO shows that are, you know, delving in the waters of time jumps at the moment, uh, which we won't comment too much on, Jordan, but I would say Barry is not doing that very successfully. Yeah. Um, I was going to guess the Larry Sanders show, so I was going to miss on that one. It is a very <laughs> common finale tool as well, because obviously you're going to leave characters and Sometimes it takes a little bit of distance. Maybe maybe that happens. Maybe we get a clear sense of the fallout of the election. I'm not sure we do. No, I, I think the fallout it will existing will factor, but I don't think the whole thing plays out. I, I agree with that. But my, my point on Kendall would be a lot of his inaction is done with good intentions. He could have been bowler. I, I think it is. From a business sense, it doesn't make sense to just dive in with two feet like Roman has done. It makes sense to win the day, but they are they're not going to win out from that whole thing for calling Wisconsin the way they did. It's, it's but he not... supported that. But why did he support it? He didn't support well, it yeah, in a rational no, sense. he got emotional. Yeah, that's, the, that's the always only, been Kendall's The problem. only way it happened is because he was betrayed by his sister, which is, like, I don't know, I guess it matters to all of them, but it feels like the personal betrayals just sting Kendall more than anyone else. That's the thing is that he is ultimately motivated by people that say he can't do this or, or uh, he's back, he's backstabbed before, but he, he needs something to topple down constantly so that when he actually gets to that position, it's almost, that's where he gets a little like, I can do this, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, like it—that's where it's also he wants. He wants it all, where I'm not sure the others do. As in, he wants his family, and he wants the company, and he wants to be at the head of the company. He tells Shiv as much clearly again this episode. It's he still wants to do the family stuff, but he thinks he can be the guy. He views them as key cogs in the company, but he is the guy. Like. We know quite clearly Shiv is more than prepared to put knives in both of her brothers' backs to get what she wants. She's just not smart enough or competent enough to get a guarantee off Madsen either. Um, And honestly, I mean, I don't think Roman would survive for a second without his siblings. But uh, he just, he acts in a way that is so impulsive that 
it kind of moves beyond that before you can do anything with it. So, so that to me is kind of part of it. It is what he keeps saying to Shiv in this episode. It's, you know, it's the idea of being a good guy, and it's he's so wrapped up in oh, wanting to be a good guy in spite of what we know about his past and what he's done and just what we've observed about his behaviors over time, that his fatal flaw is wanting to not really be what his family largely are, what the the business he's in dictates he should be if he's to get what he wants. And to me, that is, that's a key driver in his reluctance to act. Now, the flip side of that is you could be really bold and just come down and say, no, we're not airing this perspective, this side of this story. And that's the way where he could have shaped things in a different direction, which is if he was truly so worried about his daughter and people pushing his daughter in the street, that is the response you would take to it. But there's just these constant lapses. You see him go back and forth. To me, though, the show has very clearly evolved. Not that it, not that it wasn't. I mean, is the first scene of the pilot, him in the car, Jay Z on right? It Isn't might be Logan peeing, but it's one of the first ones. One of the, one of the yeah, you're right. Okay, so I think it's intro, intro is the first Ken, after after I think the titles in the pilot. The first scene we see is is Kendall arriving at the office, which they redid this season. They did. It's Kendall's show. He is he is the protagonist. Oh, I disagree. Oh, I don't I, think so. I, I it is to me, it could not be clearer. It is Kendall's show, and they've leaned into it being Kendall's show. Now, whether he is I mean, I think they're all tragic characters, and that's ultimately how this will play out. But I think the perspective that the show is told from is it is Kendall's show. Who do you I think? think it's, I think it's Tom and Shiv's show lately. But I'm talking about the entire, entire series, the whole arc of Succession. I mean, I I would say it's it's be I I think it's not always been their show, but I think over the last like three seasons, it's been a Tom and Shiv led show in a lot of ways. I come down on the Kindle side of things. Uh, I mean, I think even the coverage of the show lends up to that due to I mean, you see Jeremy Strong get a new like profile every uh, every time the season <laughs> starts. Hates him. Yeah, part of that's because of his process, but I think like, I mean, the the way he portrays Kendall does speak to an intense process of getting yourself into the suit that is the skin of a broken man, um, and I think since Logan's passing, it really has centered on him as the person that somehow, some way, might be the most competent person to lead if he can stay away from his demons and now steering into an emotional response to what Shiv did uh, is part of the, those self-destructive tendencies, I'd say. So Jerry's still out on whether or not he can balance those scales. Uh, also, Cousin Greg is just like an absolute worm right now as we watch him bl- blurry frame smirk after revealing, uh, helping reveal Shiv's dishonesty to Kendall. Just... Wow, let Nicholas Braun cook. But uh, yeah, and <laughs> as far as Kendall and you know what we know about him as a person in his past, I, I assume most cable news executives have at least one Chappaquiddick in their back pocket. So you know, I think he can move <laughs> past that. I I would agree in that they have certainly. 
I feel like out of all the people that has gotten the most screen time, it's certainly Kendall. And they have pending the final two episodes. They have pen, um, pinned him as like the emotional center in a show that's not really, you know, uh, good hearted or. But I, I, I think you've, I think you've nailed it. Like that is ultimately what every show is going to need for gravitas is there has to be some kind of emotional center. Yeah. Most of these characters do not process yeah. emotion in a normal way. Kendall is a deeply emotional character. And so they lean on him more than anyone else for that. And I, I think he naturally becomes the center. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's like, it makes it, you have to really kind of, why this episode cut to the bone of like just showing how vile um, and self-serving and all the things that we already, it, it's not that we suspected we knew these things would happen, but like the, the thing about the election stuff and how they kind of paid it off for me was that like, I didn't really give a shit about a fictional election of like, Oh, uh, like yeah, you you see the kingmaker pick the guy that he is going to back around. And it's like oh, it's old Logan doing the same old thing. Now that again, now that he's gone and it's the kids doing all the thing and then ATM and everything wrapped into that, and how they basically just like one up to like how much they're back or playing this out and and it's not just dealing in back rooms or be you know it's the rich talking to the rich just the powerful talking to the powerful now it has actual real world consequences of like all this you know things that we talk about real world stakes and people of power and everything like that that's where it's like oh like that was like the big payoff for me of like i didn't really have all that much investment of fictional presidential candidates and all that stuff besides connor you know, in the con heads of how funny that was. But like it's a tough episode for the con heads. It's a tough episode for the con heads. I yeah, really I... hope he didn't torpedo Slovenia. I hope he still gets that. Yeah, was it a tough a episode reckless. for the con heads? Yeah, his speech was terrible and bowing to Mencken sucks. The when you con say when you say winning. his speech was terrible he... though. It's it terrible. Won't... He it sounded won't... like a joke. As opposed to <laughs> getting five percent in Alaska. But he always sounds like a joke. I think that would have got him the, the 5%. La- episode last 7 was Khan's strongest episode ever. I, I by think that... Far. But it's, by it's far. Khan, Khan as a, a character not in front of a camera. I don't mean that literally. Obviously, Connor is a character who we see in front of a character on the TV show Succession. I don't know. But Alan with, Ruck might do something <laughs> differently. But within, within the world of the show, like... Yeah, this was his dialed up version. And they've done a really good job, I think, of making him less of a laughing stock, as in the things he's saying and doing within his own life. And I even think just his relationship with Willow kind of I don't want to say becoming normal because it is a very abnormal relationship. Well, but it was. It was, be- it was episode seven. They, they had sweet moments. Episode eight, sure. he threw it all the way to grovel at the feet of Macon. And then the speech was bad. But I think what he did I don't know outside if of the TV groveled, too, though. I don't, he I, 100% he got, groveled. He got he said, a he was, good ambassadorship. Like, he's going to After a real he went country. and groveled because he didn't, he didn't, he he just didn't said place to, in Tennessee. But he was also Kentucky. like... Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. It was weird Alas, though he where he goes Kentucky. he was <laughs> it was weird when he goes like he's like you guys you guys screwed up 
you guys did you and then it's like we are hearing or whatever is like last words where like we watch it we'll hear and kind of heads will unite or whatever it was like yeah i want to rise again i believe yeah that's what yes which is very ominous yeah here's the thing confederacy he he got to sorry go on andrew Lunch in Vienna, dinner in Venice, and breakfast in Dubrovnik sounds incredible. So if he didn't throw all away that goodwill on the speech, and I don't think Mankin's the type type of guy to really get too hung up on words. So I, I think Connor played it right. I think he did. I mean, I, let's, I honestly let's see if he gets he, this post. I think he won, Ty. I, I think he was a winner in the so episode. He, he wanted to go through the process of election day. He got to do that. He got to stick in the election. And he's got his ambassador's post. He got we'll, the we'll two see things if he, he got wanted. his post. I think he's got it. Do you know Roman, some of the people? I listen. I, Roman's the trustworthy go-between for the fascist president and his older brother, who he called a joke last episode. I mean, we you, had Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, this episode, he was, I, was <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know how familiar you guys are with some of your overseas representatives. Uh, I know there's some you are. Familiar Tom Barrett, with. a former mayor. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but they are not serious people for the most part. Woody Johnson, just just like the Succession kids. So Woody. I, I think Khan and Willa are going to be an Oman before you know it. Oman's a Oman's a power play. What is it? The what did he refer to it? The something uh, the, Saudi Arabia's the little per, brother the or something. The Pearl of Arabia. That was it. I thought he had some Saudi Arabia comp. As there well, was, there but... was some dude. Listen, it's impossible to remember all of yeah. the gold that comes from Alan Brooks Mountain. This show. Um, okay, I we worry got some... about Thanksgiving with Willa's family though, because they're not Mankin fans. <laughs> they're not, but her point was, you know, well, he is, he is quite right wing, but as you said, yeah, Vienna, Venice, Dubrovnik. What, what are you going to do? Um, Okay, one thing I wanted to talk through here, because I think we can all agree that not that these characters were ever the good guys, this episode was certainly a jolt to remind everyone as we reached a conclusion, don't pat yourself on the back, don't feel good about anyone here who you are rooting for. So I thought it might be an interesting exercise to go around and say, who have we been rooting for, or who have been our favorite characters? And just to see how that has played out lately. Ty, do you want to start? Who, over the course of the show, have you found yourself gravitating towards? Who has been your your guy or girl? I've been a Tom guy for a couple of seasons. Um, Tom starting to stand up to Shiv finally and, and have agency. Obviously, there's been some tough moments even before this season for, for old Tom. But I did think... Like, it felt like he, out of all the characters, was actually playing the game. I mean, Logan always won. Like, Logan, like Rob Stark, Logan went down without ever actually losing a battle. Even if the deal would have been won, it didn't happen while he was around. Um, but Tom got in with Logan by offering to go to jail. I thought he played it well. I do think, that's why I said it's Tom and Shiv's show since the end of season three. I felt like like their conflict as part of the backstab really i think was what made that finale so compelling like there's just so much baked in there i think if you take out that layer it's just less interesting in general but like both because of he's been you know a horrible person this season sure like everyone else also logan dying just cooked tom like tom is clearly lost in the world he tried to get back with shiv 
the scorpion thing, total botch. Total botch. Leaned into it too far after Bitey. Bitey went well for him. He got a little little heat checky with the scorpion. And now he's just like, he just looks sad out there. Like, trying to get in with Madsen, that was embarrassing. Trying to get in with Ken. Ken hates you, dude. Like, the, the other siblings hate you. You've gotta, it's got to be Shiv if you're going to be in there. And he's just like, he's just lost in the world. Like, it's so obvious. I mean, Carl... Carl filleted Tom. After that happened, I was like, wow, this guy is cooked, dude. Like, oh, man, no wonder he's just, like, wild, like, acting out now. He just, he knows, I think, and at this point, there's just nothing left for him to be the guy at Waystar, or even a guy at Waystar. I don't know. I, I The one thing I don't know on is I don't think Kendall... Well, he may hate him, but I, I think I, he I think he hated him before. By the way, the the thing this season, I think I don't think Kendall and Lo, I don't think Kendall or Roman ever saw anything in Tom. Tom is a useful fool, though. He is one of the more competent people, just in terms of his job, not necessarily in navigating power around him. Although he has had plenty of success with that too, to get to the place he is. Like Tom actually pulled off his part of election night. Uh pretty well he, yep. he may have ruined democracy and he will take the fall for that but he actually executed that pretty well and i think probably gets good reviews from kendall and roman for his part in that now it's not like he's playing that to me which is interesting i don't actually know if he realizes he may be more in with those guys if he found a way to align than like well, matson is just matson is just a non was never gonna that was never gonna work for a million different reasons, just Tom's whole brand of being mm -hmm. like is just clearly not going to mesh with that. Yeah, I Shiv, I struggle to see Shiv as as being his path to the top. It's what got him in the door in the first place. The closer they've been, the worse he's always been treated. I, I think Shiv will absolutely like run him over and move on quicker than anyone. Because I don't think she's even smart enough to realize that Tom is actually quite useful and has had much more success within the organization than she has. Tom's a survivor. That's why, like Ty, I was a Tom guy, is that he's the outsider climbing the ranks very quietly, starting to speak up for himself in season three, and then he's also from the Midwest. I don't, I don't know if he ever yeah. got the specifics on that, but Minnesota, Minnesota, also Minnesota. Although, okay, you're right. People you're right. talk about Tom, like, because the way they frame his family, like, Tom definitely grew up with big money. Like, I think yeah. there's people who you'll see posting, like, Tom came from nothing. Like, Tom was like, all he did was had hot dish for uh, yeah. when he was in Minnesota. Now, <laughs> look at him, you know, yeah. that's what it is. He won't eat bodega sushi, we know that, so he clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was honestly i felt like we after they teased us with the disgusting brothers thing in episode one i did feel like they were being pretty reserved with the amount of tom greg interactions this season the bodega sushi like this whole episode was very much like a oh we still got some tom and greg for you don't worry <laughs> yeah it's because great. greg won't greg for him anymore as part of the problem yeah, it... well it's just going back to season two and he's Shiv open marriage, and then Greg wants an open relationship, and Tom throws the water bottles, and Tom, you will not, you will not take what is mine, or whatever it was he said. Andrew, Andrew, 
Yeah, I've always been in on Tom as well. I hate to be repetitive. Um, also, I I'll so I'll pivot. I'll I'll talk about another character, and it's the the second side of this uh, this work marriage here. Uh, it's Greg. But before that, I'll piggyback on what you guys said about Tom and how useful he is, and how this might be the time where him being a meat shield finally gets cashed in. His face is plastered on all the other news channels being like, uh, you know, premature election, which was, you know, or whatever it was great phrasing for obvious reasons. Um, but so I'm, I'm wondering if Tom has finally, you know, been too willing to just lay down. And now it's the time where, well, I'm Kendall Roy. I'm not going down for this. I'm Roman Roy. I'm not going down for this. Uh, finally we blame Tom for so many things. And now it's, Finally, the chickens are coming home to roost into that Minnesota farm. Um, but Cousin Greg, uh, I'm all in on him just going further down into scumbag uh, land. Like, this is perfect. We see him at the theme park or whatever he's doing as a mascot in the beginning of the show. Uh, you know how Vince Gilligan always described Breaking Bad as Mr. Chips turns into Scarface? The Greg version of that I find just highly comical. Him out late at night with Madsen just doing cocaine. And then uh, bringing it to Tom and saying he doesn't want to become an addict by doing it two days in a row. Uh, gets wasabi in uh, poor decision desk Darwin's eye and tries to I, as a great guy, Andrew, lemon lacrosse. I need your take on this immediately. There okay. is a, a subsect of Greg fans that believe he purposefully poisoned the eyes of the decision desk guy as part of the, the move to throwing out the ballots and, and calling Wisconsin. Uh, I can't go that far because I don't think Greg's smart enough for that. You don't think Greg expertly planted the wasabi? This is, this is the same Greg who did not notice the cameras in Logan's apartment. If they ever Correct. existed. Or, where he was rummaging. Um, is, I think there's a strong theory that Tom is just totally no, flying I, him for no reason there. Not to get like lost on that because it's way back, but I... I think the way Logan actually engaged that made it seem real because my my initial gut feeling was exactly that because you're like, this is what Tom does. Tom just fucks with his head. But the the way the conversation with Logan played out, I don't know. Seems weird on Logan's part I too. Mean, but... Imagine gangly, awkward Greg going up to Logan and admitting that he did this. I think it was like the same day too. I don't think you ever could have seen the tape. It, well, yeah, we'll come back to Andrew talking about Greg, but... I don't think I had much more. Um, I just think that uh, I, I'm just enjoying his hapless heel turn because he's now in the same waters in terms of this is a bad person with his uh, cousins. Uh, but it's just in such a different and bumbling way that I just can't enjoy it anymore. It's keeping, you're like, oh, cousin Greg is terrible, but he's still cousin Greg. He's just trying to figure out how many women he can sleep with now that he has just access to a world that he's never had before. Uh, just being uh, at the beck and call of whoever, Tom, Matson potentially. He's just trying yeah. to worm his way in. Logan, is, uh, I mean, Kendall too. Kendall as well. Yeah, I think he's finally, he's played a card there. So, you know, Greg's got a got his eye on many different camps, except Shiv's, out on Shiv. Um, and I think... Uh, I've just really enjoyed that character development for Greg. It feels like what would really happen if a dumbass found himself 
in this position. I'm with all of you. Tom would have been my answer, so I, I won't dwell on that too long. Um, Andrew's probably also taken my second answer. So what I'll do is I'll talk about a couple of characters who just I'm disappointed in. I, I've um, got a I've got one I started rooting for earlier this season. I can do quickly. Well, I'll throw two names out there. One major character, one minor character. We'll start the minor oh. character. I, Hugo is such a piece of shit. Oh, I hate Hugo. Hugo Man. was just like, he was just like. Why is he still there? The Katarina the... exists, or Carolina, excuse me, exists. Like, what is the point? It's a good question. Well, I th- think Carolina's had a PR and he's communication. So they work closely together, but different jobs. Yeah. So they're different jobs. So, um, I don't know how good Hugo is at communications based on, you know, just his communications abilities <laughs> day to day. Never seen him communicate well once. But then isn't isn't Ebba communications for for Matson as well? So there just seems to be a dirt of quality communications people <laughs> yeah. in this world. <laughs> I don't know uh, if that's the gold standard of well-run companies that they should pull. They should model themselves after the scene in which he like is trying to button up to Kendall of like, yeah, um, my daughter sold stock of the company after your dad died, <laughs> and it's like you, you worm, you just little worm. That's what he is. Like, I mean, a lot of people are in the show, but. That just kind of just hit the nail on the head of like he's the one of the most irredeemable worms though. Like there's but, people who stand like, every kid, like all the siblings, like no one is like, oh fuck yeah, Hugo. He, <laughs> well, he's like a worm. He's seen he's in this in, like, episode the... is is the one that for me I'm like yeah because it it makes it so clear because we we generally see him around everyone else who is more powerful than him and really yes, like, exactly. smarter than him, more eloquent than him. But the fact that he's in that room with Frank and Carl, who are the CFO and COO, if I remember correctly. So two infinitely more powerful people, much smarter, much more successful. Have been heaters of seasons, both of them. Like their best work on the show this year. I slept on Carl. Carl oh, Carl's Carl, a killer. Carl's Carl, all dingers this year. Doing. Carl sat down Kendall last episode like, listen, kid, no. <laughs> but... <laughs> With Hugo's the guy that in that room and everyone knows an asshole has been around one like this. It's like he is the, he decided he was the big guy in the room, kind of feet up and throwing the most fascist stuff out there. And I was like, mm, interesting, interesting to to even make sure we know just how bad that Hugo is. Um Shiv is the other person I'll talk about. It's it's been a long time. Early in the show, I found myself rooting for Shiv and thinking maybe Shiv was the answer. And I do think kind of through the first two seasons. She is a much savvier operator than she has been since. And I think at some point they just decided, nah, it's not her. Or maybe it's just better that it's none of the kids are all that kind of together or all that effective. I, I think the, the thing that maybe doesn't get reflected on enough, though, Shiv is not competent within an ATN sense. She doesn't have the experience for that. It's not her world and she doesn't think she even wants to be. That's the other thing. She's she not wants to be I think she, I think she, she wants, wants to be a Waystar. She wants to be a Waystar, not an ATN. Important distinction. I misspoke. Um, but the world that she does have expertise in and seems to be quite successful in was politics. Yeah. And 
she just completely whiffed on everything around this episode. If there was if there was one thing she should have been able to make work, it should have been lobbying. It should have been getting people on her side. She had actually done the hard part in terms of from where her experience was and her expertise, which is just to get Matson's ear at all. Although we could debate what reason that was for. Um, but yeah, it's just stunning that they're even like just the thing that she was supposed to be good at the show is showing her well, crash and burn without, without making any kind of deal about it either. She didn't want to do what they wanted though. Like she purposefully, I think, didn't push that hard because she wants the deal. I know. It doesn't but, serve her interest to. But she, she could have got ahead of what ultimately brought her down with Nate. Like well, she yeah, has, I mean, she should have made she the has call. existing, was... she, but it's it's not even making the call. She could have been three or four steps ahead on this whole process. Well, you're asking a lot of a Roy kid now to be more I, than I know. But this, this, this is the one thing that was her job, and in the early seasons, she seemed to be, you know, relatively effective at it. Was the one of the only things where you saw a Roy other than Logan in their job, and it's like, oh, well, other people in this world think this person is good in their job so coming back to that she's just like doesn't really give any thought to the fact that this is gonna have to go through and get approval from the highest levels of government there's an election about to happen and then it's just kind of it's election night or it's the week before the election or sorry the day before when they're doing their party and let's let's go into action now like it's She's just so all over the place. Well, I don't, I, but I think that I think it's a different thing. I think she's bad at playing the power game. I think she's good at lobbying. She didn't want though to lobby for what Kendall and and Roman did. Like I think if she really wanted to, she probably could have gotten you know the Jimenez campaign on board with killing the deal. But that kills her way in. I, so I was pro Shiv for some of this season. The Tom stuff has been gotten pretty tough, and obviously this episode she got pretty much nuked in her power play. I would though counter with like a, what you know the idea of like why is she kind of backstabbing and going back door with Madison? Kendall and Roman pretty much immediately cut her out after Logan died. I mean that's they can say whatever they want. That's clearly what they did, and it's a bad move on her part to let it happen that easily. But I mean they she she doesn't have a title. Like they they said we'll 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 take you into account. Don't worry, we got you. But we're actually going to have all the power. And now Kendall after that is saying actually I think it's going to be me who has all the power. I mean, they, they put her outside of the door pretty clearly. So I think she's just been acting accordingly, maybe not deftly, but she's responded, I think, in a manner that makes sense. I think that's fair, but that all stems back from when she didn't want to be in the company. Oh, yeah. And those those two guys do have the recognition. They have the years in the company. The board know them. They have closer relationships with the board, although... Gary is her godfather. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we've ever really got a scene that gives us a sense of what, say, Frank and Carl think of Shiv. I don't think they think much. No, I mean, yeah, she's she's been an outsider. That's her other thing. For so, sure. and then she wants to kind of come crashing in when essentially the company's up for grabs. It's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> and now her father has died. Like it's. It's not a it's not a look that is going to endear her to all of those people, as opposed to, oh well, Kendall has always wanted to be the guy, so here he is wanting to be the guy. You know what I mean? Does that, yeah, that kind of make makes sense? Like yeah. I, I think part of it is by your own design. You're right; they've already kind of stabbed her in the back, 
but it's very easy to push her aside in this world because of the decisions she made in the past and because of the kind of haphazard way she's tried to throw herself right to the front of the stage now. Yeah, you, I, you, I agree. You mentioned there's someone else who you've kind of started rooting for. That was, it was Schiff. It, it was Schiff. Schiff. Yeah, okay. yeah, so we, we covered that. I mean, also, I think, like, all the kids wanted the different media thing. Roman wanted the horrible um patreon slash whatever the cauldron for pot whatever the hundred uh kendall wants atn and waste waco waste our shiv wants pgn and that's probably done now but that was i think that was what she really wanted because then they're all outsiders and it's obviously a left le left-leaning media that was the 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 move i think that made most sense for her but you know going back for for waystar has kind of Again, she's outside of that, as you said, and she kind of always has been. One thing that I will be honest that I'm just not really clear on where it stands right now, and I, the election is obviously going to take precedence over it, and this is something that happens, I guess, when you're doing an episode a day, which it is natural that there could be an idea thrown out in one day that's not necessarily followed up. Even something I was thinking, like that Hugo's daughter, you know, tipping off on shares, uh, it's kind of like part of me is like weird that, that just went away and then you're like oh that was three days ago so <laughs> like we're we probably won't get resolutions on that but there's a whole lot of time for that to come back up by hugo at the same time the frank and kendall conversation uh reverse viking i think was what kendall described it as to finish episode seven about turning this thing on its head of buying gojo that seems like to me it could still be a runner now that this deal isn't going to go true, and that is the one place as we start to look towards the end game. The biggest problem Roman has is that I particularly we know how things have worked with Jerry and the fallout there. He does not have an ally on the board. He may have the president in his pocket, but I don't know if he has a clear vision to sell to the board that's going to make them richer, which at this case is at this point is what well, the only thing that the soon to retire kind of C-suite of the company care about golden parachute gang for sure. Kendall has that play still where this could just turn into something entirely bigger and different and everyone could get all the richer again. And Frank seemed into it to me. Maybe you guys disagree with that, but I kind of got the feeling Frank might just be into that. And I think if Frank's into it, Frank could probably get Carl into it, and you might just have a trickle kind of effect like that. I am, like I think Andrew tipped off earlier in his kind of own feelings on it, I am very much of the opinion that nobody is going to win here. But I still do think Kendall might have the clearest path because of that. I think the, the people... The people who are going to have a real say in deciding this are Frank and Carl and Jerry. You're leaving a huge one out. And what? I think probably the one that will swing at Kendall, Stewie. That's also true. Stewie, I think, probably even has more power than them because Stewie control. I don't know what the percentage is, but Stewie through Sandy controls just a ton of the state, the board, the not the board, the, the shareholders. Well, St Stewie and Sandy have a vote each, so that's the, they don't have... 
they're not weighted beyond the rest of the board because it has come up before that when I thought they had more financial power behind that too, but I could be wrong. Well, they they might they might have more they might have a greater share when it comes to profits, but their deal was yeah they get two one seat at the table each one vote each. Yeah. Um, so I mean, very important for anything Kendall does, and we've already seen again that conversation play out. But I. I feel like that is a path that I I don't see Roman's version of that. Like Roman doesn't have a vision at all. He's just like, oh yeah, we win. Guns blazing. It's yeah. like the well, the whole the whole game isn't over the day after the election, Roman. Well, I thought about this when we talked about him earlier. I'll let you go, Jordan. But it's clear, like Roman's the only one of the siblings who's never actually had agency before, and he doesn't know mm -hmm. what to do. I mean, the others are obviously. Have crash and burn i mean she had a good career whatever she's tried to do things and failed kendall of course has failed innumerable times roman's always pretty much just been under logan's thumb and then he was kind of under you know he did the the started the startup thing but he was still kind of under kendall and shiv's thumb so now this is like a you know, roman figuring out how to do it and he clearly has no idea it's just like fire everyone it's my way like if you disagree at all or like you're done That's roman the reality is blowing up another rocket but in this yeah case, seriously yeah that's the thing is that he was the perfect soldier for his dad. And even when he defected, quote unquote, he still was strung by Logan. They were texting. And they were texting. And then he eventually, you know, whatever episode that was, episode two before Logan's death, he goes back and visits him. He, out of anyone of his siblings, got to see his dad up close and how he operated mm. towards the end of his life. And is essentially just acting like him now you know he identifies with the the um luster luster right the fury mm -hmm. of like logan and that's how he's acting like that's how you operate that's how you lead and stuff like that and that's where it's like i i don't think anyone wins but if you're polling now of this episode and everything like that he we know roman has the trump card of he knows what the Kendall Trump did. card you say. I he's yes. got a couple Trump cards. I got guess. a couple Trump cards. He has the Trump card over Kendall of like he knows what he confessed to um, about his Chappaquiddick episode, as Andrew <laughs> referred to it. And I could just see him like just pure lust for power. The guy like that ultimately winning. No, I, his, I, I, I think the problem is... I can see it. I could see yeah, it. He, I, he's, go ahead, Andrew. He has no diplomacy, though. He has no allies. I do think that is a huge issue for him. And I because. think the whole point of that situation in general is, yeah, sometimes super rich people that are connected just get away with shit like this. So Yeah, that's... that's yeah. yeah. And also, if it comes to the point of, oh, we're all playing our cards again, if Kendall's allies prove to be the board... We know who Roman's enemy is and the person who has the cards on Roman. So if it's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leak it that, you know, you killed this guy, he could be like, okay, well, I'm gonna leak it then that you were sending dick pics to a member of the board who is like, you know, old enough to be your mother. Like it, it's your general counsel. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I think that's where they're going to kind of get knotted up in that. I, I also think, like, again, to the idea, and I just can't get past this with Roman, and maybe I'll be proven wrong and the show isn't going this way, but the idea of 
even f- viewing what he's doing now as following Logan's lead, I just don't see it. I don't think that is going on with him at all. I think the interesting thing, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that's, what I'm remembering is the whole let's tank the deal. That starts when Roman flips out on the mountaintop yes. because yes. Matson basically. Well, I, no, 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 no. No, it think... didn't. Kendall, Kendall, it first. Kendall already had it. But yeah. for Roman, for Roman, yes. the point where it is the blow up, and it only happens because Matson mocks their dad having died. Like he makes light of it. And again, yeah. it's it's the emotional, it's it's purely the, the daddy issues that Roman, more than any of them, I mean, the, the whole show is about that, but Roman is absolutely weighed down with that. He's got both parent issues, I'm pretty sure. Well, I think they There's probably some mommy all, issues going they, on they, with, with Roman. I don't, I don't think any of them are free of that either. Fair. Uh, but that to me, again, it's just purely, he is locked in this... Everything is a reaction to like this grief and anger that he is not processing or dealing with in any way. Like, I don't think it makes any sense for him to be delivering the eulogy within the world of the show. It's just not how things work. It's like that he loves pop pop, but that's that's why it's happening. That's Kendall's spot. It's the kind of spot where Roman is always like, Yeah, you know, you do that. Uh, that's fine. I don't want to do it. You do that. Where I just I think he's being set up, and that's because as as we've all I think alluded to it. Andrew said it, it's like he's on a hot streak, and when any character in Succession is on a hot streak, well, you know they're just about to be taken down multiple, downturn multiple is levels, even more. Yeah, exactly. It's that's, I'm just yeah. I'm waiting for that. It's just it's too, and it's as high profile. You're gonna have Mencken there, like. He could blow a whole lot if he really has a meltdown and if the conversations all around that then go wrong and Jerry's going to be there. It it just, to me, I, I'm struggling with anything with Roman because I just feel like his demise to me is, is clearest because it feels like it's quite obvious on screen what they want him to be going through. And I think it's very easy to pick up. Like there's a million ways that it could completely fall apart for Kendall. And there's a lot of things for Shiv between her pregnancy, her relationship with Tom, with Matson, her brothers. Like, there's a whole bunch of things there. I just think, to me at least, the Roman arc is getting pretty focused. And I think this is going to be the big blow up. And I don't know, maybe maybe we saw Shiv kind of taken out of the race this week. Maybe we see Roman taken out of it next week. And then maybe the finale is, well, well, Kendall, guess what? You lose too. Which to me, could feel somewhat true to, I think, what Jesse Armstrong and his writers might be looking to do with the show. And I think uh, you talk about the dueling scandals earlier and if Kendall or Roman would try to hold the other one hostage with that. I think that despite the conversations about eating chicken when they wanted steak and things like that, I don't get the sense that either of them would be comfortable destroying the other one at this Mm -hmm. point in their journey now i can't say the same for shiv and them and them and shiv i think that relationship could be eroded to a point of no return i think where like you said uh roman and and kindle to a degree as well i think the people that are going to destroy them are themselves and like you said it could come with roman just dying on the vine trying to deliver a eulogy 
to a father and a room that he has not properly grieved. And with Kendall, it could be any number of things. Uh, for Kendall, it may very well just be continuing to be a deer in the headlights as big moments and pass just and the board recognizing that. Way too ambitious, too. He wanted real clouds in that room. Yeah, like get, build the house. Build the house. Generated clouds in the room. Um, I do think that the last two episodes, and it kind of started with this episode and Tom's great line about a bottle of fine wine that you can bash someone over the head with about information. I think the whole theme at the end of the show is kind of going to be like who does betray who when they can and who doesn't. Because I, I think there's like some Greg Tom stuff that I still think is floating because they had the dirt on each other. It's kind of been aired out, but you know, I feel like they always have something on each other because they share so much. Tom, I, Tom has the dirt on everyone too at this point, though, which is even something I was thinking. They weren't they weren't specifically looping Tom into all angles of like we're tanking the Matson deal, and now all of a sudden he's in the room with all the discussions. He knows everyone's angle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's already. I mean, all his dirt is public at this point. Is Tom's true. issue because of the trial? You know, you can't make a Tom light without breaking a few Gregs, but. <laughs> Um, but I think like Shiv and Tom have their own thing. I too kind of wonder if Kendall will burn Lo uh, Ro uh, Roman at some point. I mean, he did burn his dead dad. Like, Whoa. you know, he hasn't burned Shiv, but he clearly is going at Shiv and we know how much Kendall wants it in a way that like, I think Roman would probably just be fine if it's him and Kendall forever. I don't know if Roman even cares about being the only guy. I guess we'll see. We just haven't seen ambitious roman like ever he's just done so little on his own accord that i guess we don't know but i do think it'll come down like jerry and roman of course like if jerry goes public with that stuff that could ruin roman like it seems like we are kind of at a place where like everyone's got a sight line on somebody else's head who actually shoots is going to probably determine everything and i think ultimately it'll be enough people that no one can truly take over in a victorative sense and a victory like in, in, you know, a way that looks good, but we'll see. A problematic singer-songwriter once wrote, uh, everybody wants to live forever. I just want to burn out hot and bright. And I feel like Kendall's the first part of that sentence and Roman's the second part of the, that sentence. Roman uh, could be a literal Roman candle coming yeah. apart at the same soon. Well, Kendall literally did say, you know, hey, we're going to have people live forever. That's the, that's the product he pitched. Yeah. Is that part of the golden parachute for uh, Carl, Frank, and Jerry living, so. living plus accommodations? I want to wrap up in a second by just talking about where we think this show is going in a legacy sense and among mm. the, the pantheon of great TV shows. But before that, let's go around very, very quickly. Who's going to finish this show in the seat of power? Oh, wait, Sarah if it exists, though. I think nobody sits in the seat of power that we're familiar with. I think all of the Roys lose. I think the Emperor Penguins get their golden parachutes, so they will win in a sense. Um, I think Madsen loses somehow because of all of his various issues. I forgot. I forgot in my who has dirt on who section to include everyone having dirt on Madsen at this point. <laughs> I think whatever happens with Way uh, Waystar Royco is no longer a Roy entity, and it's just passed along to whatever the next iteration of Corporate Overlord is, and who some guy in a white button-down shirt and a suit jacket. 
Mark Ravenhead. <laughs> <laughs> what a perfectly like just awful name. It's fascinated by the scale. Yeah. <laughs> he loves Easter eggs too. Loves them. I think our Muppets on the balcony, Frank and Carl, tank what the Roys do at the last moment and sell the company off for scraps to make sure they get theirs. I, I think I think they look at it eventually and go, I I think Frank loves Kendall in a way, by the way. I think he really yeah, does. 100%. I think Frank does He's love Kendall. Dad. Yes. However, I think Frank loves his golden parachute more. As we said, everyone on the show is is like this. I think they at a certain point go, we just can't trust any of these people, Matson included. Maybe they sell to somebody else entirely. I don't know exactly how Pierces. I'm not smart enough to know that. But I think they I think they scrap it out and get their parachutes and make it make it so none of the kids are in charge or any of the main characters. Like Matson either. That he obviously, you know, is unfit as well. One one little note of I know we talked about it, but like I liked how they really staged uh frank carl i think hugo was in the room too of like the board mm-hmm. it did feel like ty's point it did feel like um god what is the old guys from muppets Butler and Waldo. yeah where they're just overseeing everything but like everything's happening that's where it gives you like a little bit of like yeah they're not gonna give a vote of confidence to anyone see like they're just waiting in the wings like, yeah it's, exactly they're quite literally waiting in the wings well, I will say with Frank, and to your point about him genuinely loving Kendall, it's why I still think Kendall has a shot. Now, Kendall will probably blow his shot and ends up a different way. But I I don't think you have to have the scene after Logan died where Frank is on the phone to Kendall and he calls him son. I think that scene is intentional. That is there to set up a domino that, to me, has probably not yet fallen. And based on their last conversation, I think we could take a guess at what that might end up being, at least what Kendall would like it to be. I I, I think the thing with the golden parachute that we've got to remember is Frank, Carl, and Jerry all had ambitions of being CEO very, very recently. And the golden parachute is only a byproduct of the ground was moving from under their feet and they were going to have no other choice. That ground keeps shifting and they may have a very different choice and my money is on Frank Carl, but I'm also going to put Jerry there and I really think it could be Jerry uh, who comes out of this on top as a CEO and that, you know, maybe the Roy's and honestly, the, the kind of the most fitting way for the show to end might be that the Roy's still like financially, the company, a lot of it, the majority is still financially theirs but they are just riots within the company. They are pushed so far outside of it. They have no influence. They have no power and they'll be forced to sell because ultimately that's all they want is power within this company. It's not the financial ownership of the company. It's not to take their money and go and do something else. They could have done that if they wanted to. And we've seen them do everything they can to really avoid that. So I think that that triumvirate will come out on top, but I'm going to, I'm gonna put Jerry there. I just she might be she might be the easiest sell, like company wide. Um, she might be the the easiest sell, the person who is most diplomatic and maybe the best fit for a cultural reset. It's been put out there a lot of times. The idea of you know Jerry, you know, woman at the head of the company that that's not the worst thing for us. So I think that's the where I'm leaning. Um, I I think it I think the business falls apart as part of the finale. Like, I think 
Logan dies, and within a week, the company like doesn't even exist anymore. That's my. It, it all depends now if ATN gets in real trouble because I'm sure numbers wise they're doing well, but I mean they made up the numbers on the Life Plus thing. Like they have no real, I don't know, ambition or plan. I mean I I think trying to reverse eat Gojo probably ends up failing. That that seems like a Napoleonic thing for Kendall. That you know Russia and winter type deal. So I, I kind of think that the the triumvirate you mentioned, I'm in on including Jerry too. She also has the biggest weapon right now mm-hmm. aimed at Roman. Uh, I think they go, you know, we're, we're losing ground. Like this is all going away. Like, I don't know if they sell it for parts. I don't know what emerges. And I don't, I don't like my theory because there's no clear answer of like who would sweep in at that point. But my thought is without Logan and with these kids trying to meddle, it just falls apart. I think yours needs a time jump. I think it's too, it's too detached from the show trying to keep some grip on reality for it literally to fall apart within a week. So I, they might just do a time jump too. It's very tough to wrap up a show without doing that. It just instantly makes me nervous. Which with that in mind, let's talk about the legacy of the show and where we think it's going to fit in. Um, I've been thinking about this in recent weeks and... Uh, as things stand, I think this show is tracking to be my personal second favorite TV show of all time, but I would say the number two greatest TV show of all time behind only The Wire. And we'll see what it does. I think it has an opportunity to put itself in the loftiest of conversations where people will talk about it in the company of The Wire, in the company of The Sopranos, shows like that. As we have learned from plenty of television shows over the years, though, it's all well and good what you do for 99.99% of your run. If you get your ending completely catastrophically wrong, that is what people are going to remember. I think it's safe to say this show has not done that in a broader sense. This is not being the final season of Game of Thrones where we can kind of see the wheels coming off in slow motion from episode to episode to episode. We're eight episodes in and it couldn't be in honestly a better position, in my opinion. What are your guys' thoughts or how does this stack up for you in a personal sense or even if you want to zoom out and maybe try to think of it more objectively in kind of the realm of these prestige TV shows and if we were to build a Hall of Fame? Um, Jordan? Um, I would say it's getting up there um, and it doesn't have to be this... I think from my perspective, like, okay, you want to see how this all ends and you want to see like the, all the loops close, blah, 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 blah. Like you, we've been through so many experiences where you build up so much high expectations and then it falters. But in this, in a rare case of like a show like this, where it does feel, especially this season, it just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And like they have equity built of like, they're doing something right, and you want to just see that through. Um, obviously, shows like Breaking Bad, Sopranos, my personal favorite, Twin Peaks, Lost. It it's in that of of watching it week to week, and just be like, damn it, I gotta wait wait another week of like how this ends because just like that's that's where I get my most joy of watching a television show. It's not it's not the same with streaming and just how different streaming services release their episodes. And it's like, I don't win. Like, Oh, I can find it out. Like in three hours, if I really wanted to, 
We couldn't just, do an episode it, like this. It's plain and simple. No, no, we can it, only do this. We'll have done four episodes across. Like we are a tiny podcast. It's completely irrelevant. But you can magnify this week to week for lots of very important podcasts that are very relevant. Like as a business decision, it doesn't even make sense. And yet it's how so much of it has pivoted because the, part of why it matters is because people have been able to have conversations week to week to week for years now. Yeah. And it's part of why I started watching when I did, because I would, you guys would be watching it or I would see people on Twitter watching it or social media, whatever it is. Like when you feel like you got a big case of FOMO with a show, you're just like, I got to watch it now. I can't, I can't wait anymore. And all that stuff. Like that's happened with me with this show, Breaking Bad, um, you know, on and on and on. So like, yeah, I think just at this moment of like, just seeing how everything's worked and, how this season being finally caught up in my first season watching it live, like it could not have paid off better in that sense. And yeah, I think provided that the landing is stuck in a nice way that fits the show that isn't fucking Barry. God damn it. Um, um, yeah, I just, I, I am really intrigued by it, but also trying to temper expectations. So I don't build it up so much in my head yeah i feel like i can't even answer yet because it all is going to depend on the ending right like i think there's a lot of television are you, I don't are you think still so. are you oh, still in that place so. well well that's what i'm curious as to like the oh, i think that's yeah can this be undone with one episode yes if the ending is not satisfying i th- not totally undone but uh, we had this conversation with Thrones, Adam and I, and obviously that's you know a whole season. You can maybe even say a little bit more two than a season, seasons, but we'll we'll say maybe. we'll say one and a half seasons. Yeah, and it it wasn't it wasn't horrible for one and a half seasons. It just wasn't Thrones quality. It wasn't a horrible show. It's still watchable. It wasn't it wasn't bad, but it's just like this isn't how this would go. Like it's just it had that feeling. Um. But Thrones was also eight seasons versus four for Succession. And I do think people fixate on the endings to these things. And there's probably a whole lot of people who won't like it no matter what because they want more than four seasons. But shows like, you know, we in our group debated Lost, which I don't want to really, I haven't even seen Lost, but a lot of people hate how Lost ended. People hate how The Sopranos ended. Some people hate how Breaking Bad ended. They didn't all have bad endings. People, honestly, but that's the common thing. Like, even because when you were talking about that, The Wire's final episode is pretty good. The Wire's final season was not very popular, and a lot of people turned against it. And yet it holds its place in consensus. Like, it kind of, it feels like it takes something drastic. Now, I think a a great ending can also turn slightly lesser shows. Six Feet Under, I don't know if any of you ever watched Six Feet Under, has maybe the best series ending ever involving multiple mega time jumps but done incredibly well and that kind of gets elevated to a different place because it it finds a way to tie it up better than pretty much anything but it is common uh, like that's kind of part of the the itch i'm looking to scratch and that's ties into jordan just being like he doesn't want to get his expectations up too high at a certain point sure some endings are bad i i just think game of thrones ending was bad they they watched it the but final also, episode was also the the lowest point of those seasons too. Yes. like it it dipped down even farther. 
I think this being a wider thing that crops up over and over again, though, probably just says something to the relationships people build up with shows and that I agree. they set themselves I don't up know for if disappointment. It's just shows. I mean, you watch a team win 58 games. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, Tresky. Um, but my point, though, what I, I wanted to get to is I think it's going to be a great show no matter what. I think it'll be a Pantheon show if it really nails the ending. And I don't know how... I mean, the actor who plays Carl said, like, you'll never believe how it ends. At this point, I'm like, yeah, I totally believe you. I honestly Wait, have Carl no said idea. that? Yeah. They it's going to end with Carl on top. He's like, you'll never <laughs> believe how it ends. You might have your ideas, but you'll never believe it. Um, but I think if they stick the landing, it'll be easily in that Pantheon tier of shows. And I think if it doesn't, it'll be... It'll just depend on people's tastes. But I think... And that's always to a certain extent with TV. But I think the fact that they kept it to four when that's something that you really just couldn't do in a lot of past eras and with the, with the other subject matter too, the fact that it's all original and we really have no idea. It's not like Thrones where there were books, you know, for most mm -hmm. of the seasons anyway, but um, it's not adapted from a, a true story, obviously pulled from a lot of things, but I think if they really nail it, it'll be, you know, it can never be undeniable to a certain extent, but I think it'll be like, Oh yeah, it's one of the greatest shows ever for sure. I think it'll be like a situational on people's favorites, but not everyone if they don't nail it. I think it's already in my pantheon of shows. Um, the Sopranos, which is something that I did not get caught up on until post-COVID, so I was late to that party and loved the way it ended. <laughs> Adam's not surprised. Uh, the Wire, uh, Breaking Bad, like you said, I still haven't finished Better Call Saul. Maybe I'll get around to that. Uh, Mad Men is a show that I have a lot of time for. And people did not like how it ended. My cynical take on the ending, I really am content with. Uh, like you said, Lost, um, when that was a, a big uh, formative show in my TV watching. Well, I, like, I can think, Andrew, of a show that I know you love and probably, like, you're not going to... It's not going to come to mind here. And I know Jordan loves it, too. The Leftovers is another example of a show that had just an all-time great ending. Like, you just yeah. cannot end that show any better. And it had a disastrous first season. <laughs> and yet it ended up in a place that I think just forever elevated. Um, I, I just find it so interesting when it gets to this point. Because part of it, and I actually feel this way, which is uncommon for me. I just really don't want it to end. Because, listen, I'm watching more TV than ever this year. Maybe not than ever, but in a long time. And people know my general feelings on TV. And... It's only confirmed it. It's basically all dog shit. And Succession is not. Succession is spectacular. Like, it, it's even, it's the fact that it has this, what will make it hold up in the kind of, the, the bigger picture, objective discussion of this. So not beyond just kind of what's people's personal taste, personal preference. I think when you get to kind of, high critical conversation of TV as a medium, or if you get to kind of academic studies, I think Succession has this thing going for it, which is that it, it feels so literary. Ty is right to point out, although there are very clear influences, it's original, but it is so deeply literary. There's this kind of, I was going to say undertones, but there are Shakespearean overtones at this point to it. And yet in spite of that, this became one of the most watched and broadest appeal shows on TV, even though I think so much of it may be playing 
maybe somewhat above a large chunk of its audience's head. It's so effective at being funny. It's so effective at making compelling characters that I just think it's doing something really, really rare. Where it, to me, it feels like there's a whole bunch of people who, like in theory, just should never have come across Succession or would never have wanted to sit down and watch Succession, who probably tune in from week to week and are like rolling on the floor, side splitting with laughter and will love it forever. And yet it is working on this higher level too. It already feels pretty undeniable where I. I don't even want to imagine just how bad the final two episodes or the final episode would have to be for it to really fall from that. I've, I've no doubt whatever happens, like, and this is just the reality of it. A lot of people are going to be annoyed because this is, 100%. Yeah, this it's is just, bound. again, people won't want it to end. And then if it doesn't end the way people have in their head, there's always an element of that where people push back against it. But I think whether six months from now, a year from now, and then obviously far, far beyond that. I have a really tough time not seeing it in a kind of increasing like a top five and maybe higher. Higher for me, but I think even beyond that, it feels like the defining show of the era beyond all of the other shows we're talking about. You know, it's it's coming off the back of it is the first one since Breaking Bad where it feels like it grabs a culture like this and it's kind of just undeniable. It's the show of the 2020s. They're gonna spin it off into the MCU, and that's gonna that's gonna really ruin the ending. God, um, I can't wait for the Carl movie. I listen. I, uh, hey, I'm he was open a legend to in the eighties. What he did I'm with cable <laughs> I would watch the shit out of a Carl show in the eighties. I'm not gonna lie. I I listen. I think Stranger Things, particularly the way that Warner run things now, which is not very good, and is just let's mind the shit out of everything we do. Max, it's not all good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Greg show on Max in like 18 oh. As long as it's not written by the same people, I can pretend it doesn't exist. Oh, well, it's it won't be. It, it could be good. Like, the there'll be a lineage there. It won't be Jesse Armstrong. No, but, it won't be good. Well, uh, I would say better call just, Saul, Ty. That's, that's kind of a, a template where now people Saul, can be like... I, I think Saul Goodman's a little bit more interesting of a character in his own regard than Greg. Greg is interesting because of where he is, which is true for a lot of people. Well, it could be it could be a Greg and Tom show. Who knows? We'll wait and see how things play. You're getting out. me back. You're getting me back. But I think it's a boring answer. But it's like, you know, if they if they end it well, it doesn't go on too long, which is obviously a problem for a lot of shows. True Detective should have been one season, for example. Um, but it's just like it's a ten out it's a ten out of ten on everything. That's the uh, you know, it has the HBO of like no commercial breaks. They can show whatever they want. It can be long, which is a plus. They spend on all the actors, which is why Thrones was the goat show until it wasn't because it's just like, oh, there's like 45 amazing actors. That must be nice. And, you know, network TV could never imagine or like cable TV. I mean, or non-cable TV. Um, the sound, what Nicholas Bratel has done is, yeah, is the, incredible. The score. Like, every little piece of it is perfect and they just haven't missed. And there's never been, I don't think there's been a, a bad episode. There's been not as good as the standard, but there's been no episode or certainly no season. We just like, Oh yeah, succession's great, but you gotta get through this part. You know, it starts slow. None of it. It's just like I just feel like it's been largely ten out of ten the whole time. I'm glad you mentioned the music there because I meant to do that in this episode, and if I didn't, I would have just been really annoyed at myself afterwards. Uh, the variations he's doing on the succession team are just out of this world. Like he is absolutely one of the best composers on the planet right now. 
the the version with the horns that ran over the credits was absolutely unbelievable. Um, the kind of I don't even know what instrument that was, but the kind of when Shiv goes to make the call, um, the kind of I don't know, it's a piano, just like a kind of a twinkly kind of effect to that, but a variation of what we're used to. I'm way out above my skis here. Um, I I'm just continually blown away by what he's doing, particularly because he like so clearly established. <laughs> This is the music of succession, and it's so iconic. The the way that he and he is not the only composer who works in the show have been able to tweak that and evolve that, particularly for this season, in ways that every time you hear a variation, it feels absolutely perfect. It feels completely fresh. Just blown away by the music of the show. We got some like uh presidential slash imperial march horns in this episode, uh, that were like kind of just took me by surprise, but were pitch perfect for the time that they were just like dropped in on your head. Which also in terms of the legacy of the show, give me other shows with original music, with original music work at this level. It's, it's a very rare feature. Breaking Bad shows. Breaking Bad's music is pretty, pretty good. They, they knew how to ramp up like when scenes were very tense. I can remember a couple of instances of it really ramping up. Um, was it was it Ozymandias? Was that the third last episode? Maybe that Ryan Johnson directed yeah. in the final season. Um, out in the wilderness, right? That was uh, the desert, and I remember some of the intensity of that. But it's uh, beyond that. Like when I think the first four seasons of that show, the only music that comes to mind is the the, the theme. It, it was like moody seinfeld <laughs> yeah yeah like boom, twin boom, peaks boom. is probably actually the, the answer for a show where it runs throughout but lost, it, it, lost is lost too michael giacchino's score for um, lost i know really we're good. abandoning it because of the end thrones had really good music as well. thrones like good music brains of Castamere, baby still slaps at some point i need to play the game with true detective uh season one is it good or was I just 22? Uh, season one is great. It's great. Watchmen, so, Watchmen, the miniseries had, I mean, it was Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So, but it, it's, a... it's become, and particularly HBO, probably in part because of Thrones within the recent generation, um, have started to treat TV like that. But it was for a long time. That was the domain of movies. I mean, you're the Sopranos. There's incredible music throughout Sopranos, but look up this morning. <laughs> Got yourself a girl. I, I saw that. I saw that performed by. Uh, I can't remember the name of that band now. You probably know Jordan, do you? No, I don't. I don't remember this. Band. I saw it performed live once, and it was very eventful. So it would be a story for all fans. Did you Did you see a uh, Tom Waits perform the Wire theme? Good lord, not a Tom <laughs> Waits guy at all. Don't oh, I'm pre- in on that. I'm in on that. Uh, oh, the toys for sure is not. The the Nicholas Bertel tours after the show ends, I'm gonna go to one for sure. Like oh, they need an orchestral to tour. That makes so much sense. I feel he like needs that's to just... the the finale is because you mentioned kind of long episodes or anything goes on. The finale is at least an hour thirty from what I oh, understand. Wow. Hell yeah. Um, if if not longer. So it is essentially a feature film. So just tour it. Tur 
Live orchestra. No dialogue. Nichols Patel. No dialogue. Just Jordan, you seem time. disappointed at the no, 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 no. I'm very much like that's they're they're going for the the jugular there. Yeah, so we got that to look forward to. Before we go, was uh was Tom Waits season the docs? I the, think so because it was very jarring to be like. Respect for the docs. Also, the music is so perfect. The for the first season. Yeah. That it's. The first time you hear a change, you're like, I'd rather hear, fuck? yeah, I'd rather hear a fog just blaring in my ear, like right. I there. just want, I just want respect for Frank Sabaka, is what I want. Then <laughs> I can't remember if it was season three or four now that had there was a slightly synthy, it was element to it, and I was like, this is this is going weird places. Best, it's it is regarded as the best show ever to be broadcast on TV, and it has the absolute. Worst theme song ever. We're gonna, like, oh, we're gonna no. do... season one. The theme song is incredible. I will hear no, no. Uh, we're we're wrapping this pot. I'm too. The, le- the leftovers theme songs. Yeah. Uh, what they did in the third season, also just elite move. Yeah, that was also that was also good. I'm getting. I can't believe Jordan said that. White Lotus theme. Good team. That's the last you'll hear from Jordan. He's not coming back for the finale pod <laughs> after that take on the Wire team song. And uh, no, thanks to thanks to Jordan and Ty for joining us. It was great to have you on. Great to talk succession. Uh, am I am I officially safe to say what we're doing next week, Andrew? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, just I've said I said we were doing this before, but we will be talking about Bo's Afraid and the Phils of Ariaster on the next episode of the show. A lot of words I recognize there. Make sure, you know, you know her. Listen, Adam, I can't get those $12 Mar- you know back, so. Well, you're gonna go and see it. You're gonna embark on your own Bo-like odyssey. Well, you know, I think it's good. It's good fodder for the episode. We'll talk more through your journey to see Bo's Afraid next week. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make time for this. Of course, you should also be subscribed to the rest of the GSPN shows. We've got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. That's Ty and Rohan with Eurostep. Jordan and I with Win in Six. And most recently on the main feed, we have a crossover episode where we go very, very deep. Although, very quickly, not deep enough. As the Milwaukee Bucks just continue to interview uh, random people they find on the street, um, we we ran the rule over. I still think the pool of coaches that the Bucks' next head coach will come from. If if guys, somehow gotta, they get someone, I gotta go. Beyond. I'm hopping on with John Horst you've right got, now. You've got I'll it. talk to you guys later. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you want to get the full lowdown on the Bucks' head coaching situation, best place you can still do that is the Eurostep Podcast Network crossover episode. For all things Talk of the Tundra, all things Green Bay Packers, you've got Jordan Tresky and you've got Numac. Jordan, have we, what have we got coming up? What could people look forward to hearing on the Packers this week? Um, I think it's a lot of post-draft stuff, looking ahead to the future, a lot of assistant coaches, coordinators, coming to the podium and speaking about how to build the Packers with Jordan Love under center. Uh, so we're going to break it down. A few ad- roster additions, too. I see you, Jonathan Owens. Simone, Simone Biles added to the fandom. Yeah, exactly. Quite the culture change from Daniel Whelan. 
Yes, Irish punter who played in the XFL. Yeah. I think he was an XFL champion. He was. He's he's the real deal. We've been hearing about Daniel Whelan for years, so rather have him than Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci is what I would say. <laughs> Last but by no means least, or maybe sometimes least, we got cruiser for a bruising for all things Walkie Brewers. What will Andrew and I be talking about on the next episode? Um, an episode that will be out right around the same time that this one will, so you may have listened to it already, you may not. We'll be talking about more injuries to pitchers. That's what we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about roster changes. It's yet to be determined whether we'll be talking about a Brewer Series win or a Brewer Series loss. Let's hope that they somehow pull one out to beat the Cardinals. Owen Miller just struck out looking. Well... There's, there's still time. That's pretty much everything. For everything else we do, gspn.info. You'll find our repod there. You can get into the Discord. You can check out the merch store, whatever it might be. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, fellas. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com